This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. After the final buzzer sounds, we're here to wrap it up. Why not? Here's Steph Curry! It's time for Warriors Wrap Up. Wrap Up 95.7. Is it a game? Wrap-Up is presented by Realtor.com, the home of home search. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason inside Chase Center. It was all looking real good tonight for the Golden State Warriors. A 28-25 lead at the end of the first quarter after they had trailed 13-4, a lead that would be as high as 15 mid-third quarter. And the Warriors still had a 10-point lead with just over three minutes to go. It was 97-87, and it felt like we were going to be doing a winning postgame show tonight, Whitey Gleason. But alas, here we are. The Thunder score the final 13 points of the game. 22-5 run for the Thunder. 22-5. The the Warriors with just five points in the final nine minutes and 20 seconds Oof. of this ball game, 26 to 14 in the fourth quarter. You add it all up in the thunder walk out of chase center with their first road victory of the season, ah. 100 to 97 over the warriors who now dip to uh, an NBA worst three and 15, just one win here uh, on the chase center. Hardwood eight at eight, nine, five, seven, nine, five, seven, zero, triple eight, nine, five, seven, Nine five seven zero. If you want to react to this one, it was a, a career night again for Kai Bowman and Glenn Robinson the third. The, the the Warriors group of eight was fighting and scrapping and clawing to to build that lead up to fifteen uh, against a team that had handled the Warriors the previous two meetings in Oklahoma City. Uh, a lot of positive from this game, but what does tend to happen when you're forced to play enough games as shorthanded as the Warriors are? There's going to be nights where you get beat by 48. There's going to be a whole lot of really competitive nights. And then there's going to be those nights, Whitey, where can't finish. there's just collapses that, that you aren't used to seeing on a night in close. Night I got a question, 888-957-9570. 22 seconds left. Uh, your offense is falling apart in the fourth quarter. You're down three. You got the ball. Do you call timeout? You could call a timeout there, don't you, J.D.? I would have. call a timeout. I was calling timeout. Yeah. I, timeout. Yeah. Timeout. I do the little two-finger. I don't I do not do the full hand. I just like a little. Now, just because it didn't work, that doesn't mean that it was a bad idea. It'd be uh, interesting. It'll be interesting to hear what Steve Kerr has to say about that. I mean, if they had called timeout, even if they had, that doesn't mean they're going to win the game. But I think you've got to call a timeout there when you've got so many young players who have not been through a situation like this rather than go get them, Kai Bowman. That's one thing. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a silver lining, maybe if this year is about growing and developing and learning, the Warriors did get a lesson right in winning basketball down the stretch from a team that I know the Thunder, they're, they're not probably not going to make the playoffs this year, but those guys uh, are playoff-tested veterans, and they know how to win a close game. So maybe you could suggest, well, there's a lesson there in that. Of course, it'd be nice just to win a game once wouldn't it be nice to win a game and I thought just as the Thunder um, as they the last time the two teams played it looked like the Thunder kind of let off a little bit they kind of relaxed and just as Utah did that against the Warriors I really thought as ridiculous as it sounds the Warriors when they were up in the fourth quarter let's see Poole made a three 86-78 Bowman made a three 89-78 shortly thereafter Poole made another three, and I thought at that point, it looked to me like the Warriors actually relaxed a little bit. I think they thought they had the game. I think you may be right, and once the game got within 97-93, it was big trouble. You had Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder each hit back-to-back. They hit threes to make it from 97-87 to 97-93, and then you're thinking, uh-oh, uh, yeah, the, I know you the, were saying the, 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 the oh, Warriors yeah. are going to have to figure out a way to get offense because and I looked at you on consecutive possessions and I said, Whitey, where do you go here? 
And it, I, I apologize. I pretended that I didn't hear you because I didn't have a good answer. And, and, and look, Kai Bowman and Glenn Robinson, they both wind up with, with career highs tonight. Kai Bowman, 24 points on 9 of 17. Glenn Robinson, the third, knocked down three three-pointers. He was 9 for 14, 25 points. But it was all just in the flow of a pretty loosely played kind of a game. Once things get tight and you have to have a basket, how to get that basket can become problematic with, with players that aren't used to being on the floor in crunch time and having to get it done on their own. And there were just too many stagnated possessions yeah. down the stretch. And, you know, the Thunder knew they were going to Schroeder or going to Paul or even going to Steven Adams uh, once there uh, where, where I believe he got fouled and ended up going to the free throw line. Yeah, the Thunder offensively had a lot of success in the second half throwing skip passes over the top of the Warrior defense. They were struggling to um, to pass the ball through the Warrior zone in the first half. In the second, off, second half, pardon me, they started going over the top, and they had some success. But how about this? You got Kai Bowman in the final seconds, right? And he knows he needs a three, and he's got Gallinari on him. So on the one hand, we've seen Steph Curry with a big on him, and Steph Curry can do whatever he wants, right? So Bowman maybe is thinking, okay, I got this guy. However, that guy who's a lot bigger than you knows you need a three. Yeah. So if Kai Bowman wanted to drive past him, Gallinari, be my guest. Go for it. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why he had such a hard time getting open because Gallinari would give him anything. He just wasn't going to let him shoot an open three. Yeah, and to go back to the original question that you threw out there, and, and we'll take your calls as you want to react to this one. Warriors lose to the Thunder tonight, 197 957 9570 It is Warriors wrap-up here on 95.7, the game. We're brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search. Uh, the reason Steve Kerr didn't call a timeout, and we are going to hear from Steve Kerr coming up here momentarily, in, in my mind was, hey, you've got one left. You're down one. Uh, go, you know, Or you're down three. Go get it. Uh, you know, get, Go get it at that point. Go try and get a layup. And if you don't get the layup at that point in time, you know, or if you get the layup, you foul, and then you have another timeout. And I think that was the thinking, was even if you wound up in a position where you were down three, you you have that timeout in your back pocket. So in essence, you're getting an extra possession. But to your point, you're down three, you need to set up a play to get a three-point shot. Especially once the defense gets set up. There is a potential advantage in, in that situation. We're not going to call timeout. We're going to push the ball down the floor. Maybe we get something open before the defense gets set. Uh, they're a decent defensive team. But once the defense is set, if you don't call a timeout, well, then that's what you get is Kai Bowman against Gallinari going this way, that way, this way, that way, and uh, not ended up with a decent shot. Let's go ahead and hear from the head coach of the Warriors, Steve Kerr, uh, following this ball game and, and, and hear his explanation of that, his thoughts on Eric Paschal's uh, night where, where he got called for a number of, of offensive fouls. I believe three of his five fouls were, were offensive fouls uh, and uh, also career high scoring nights from Kai Bowman and Glenn Robinson III. Here is the head coach of the Warriors. Steve, how would you describe the last uh, three minutes of this game? Uh, chaotic, you know, we were just, we, we couldn't handle their, uh, their defensive pressure. They turned it up and forced some turnovers and, and we didn't really get good looks and it was frustrating because we had the game right in our grasp and just couldn't, couldn't finish it off. So, <laughs> excuse me, more than anything, I just feel, feel sick for our guys because they continue to compete and work and they deserve, they deserve better, but on the other hand, we weren't good enough to close the game out, and so uh, we didn't deserve to win. But uh, we've got to keep keep working and uh, see how to, you know, how we can get better, especially at the close of games. Find ways to take care of the ball, get good shots, and uh, we'll we'll do it. We got a young group, and they're learning and they're trying, and uh, we'll get there. But in the meantime, it's it's frustrating. Eric kind of closed out that Memphis win for you. Um, but tonight he kind of struggled down the stretch. Gallinari took a few charges on him. Uh, how much does he kind of need to adjust to the way defenses seem to kind of be adjusting to his? Well, it's part of part of the deal for Eric. You know, he's uh, he's had a lot of success, obviously, here in his rookie year, and and so teams are paying attention to him. And now uh, he has to see different types of defenses. And uh, you know, Gallinari is a tough guy to to face um, because of his ability to flop and and draw fouls and, and uh, flail around and do all the stuff that he does. And he's still, still uh, 
you know, you know, fooling the refs after all these years. So Eric uh, has to figure that out. It's all part of personnel. And, and, uh, and there were a couple plays where he did lower his shoulder and he did commit offensive fouls. But, um, you know, you, you got to learn the league. This is all about, this league is all about figuring out the rules, figuring out your opponents, knowing their tendencies. And, you know, one of the things when you, when you play against Oklahoma City, you've got to know, you know, you don't, don't stick your arms in at the end of the quarters with Chris Paul. He'll swipe under. They got clever guys. Gallinari's very clever. So he, he was smart and, and drew a couple fouls, and that put, put Eric in a difficult spot. Um, Gunnar Robinson had 25 tonight. He's kind of come on as of late. What have you seen in his performances over the last few games? He's just a good player, and it's his first time he's really gotten a lot of uh, uh, playing time and minutes uh, where he's uh, he doesn't have to worry about missing shots and coming out. So he's going to be able to to uh, to play consistent minutes night in and night out, and that allows you to relax and and be comfortable um, even if you're missing shots. And so he's he's having a great year for us. He's a hell of a player, and and uh, I'm very happy for him. And I just I. You know, I want to want to see these guys rewarded. Like I said, Steve, can you kind of take us through that last possession? Seemed kind of wonky out there. Obviously, you know, twenty-two seconds you guys get the ball and call a timeout with two seconds when the ball is on the ground. Can, can you kind of take us through what you saw? Which one? The the very last. Yeah, yeah. Well, your guys' last uh, offensive. Yeah, possession. we just uh, ran a play to try to free somebody up. Down three. Obviously, we we had to get a three, and they did a good job uh, defending the play and. Uh, covered up well, and we just couldn't get a good look. Steve, Kai has given you a lot uh, since he's moved into the starting lineup. But I mean, is it a little bit I don't know, unfair or the advantage that you have that Chris, Chris's long experience and postseason is up to, for Kai to be able to kind of close it out a game with, against Chris Paul at the point? Well, it's great experience for Kai. You know, Chris is one of the best ever to do it. And Chris has been closing games for, uh, you know, a decade plus and uh, doing it better than just about anybody. So might as well learn against the best. And I thought Kai was brilliant tonight. Um, you know, we, I could have done a better job of helping him and helping our, our group out the final few minutes, trying to get uh, better shots, but it's great experience for Kai and he continues to get better. Steve, obviously, third game in a row playing with, you know, only only eight guys on the bench or eight guys uh, all together, you know, three on the bench. Um, but how were you impressed with their fight tonight? And obviously, you guys don't get the result you guys want, but their competitiveness and staying, you know, close in this game the whole way. Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. They've uh, shown that kind of fight, you know, the whole uh, whole season. And uh, they'll they'll continue to do so because of their character and uh, and their belief uh, in what they're doing. So, wow. Uh, We'll uh, we'll get to the point where we'll we'll close games like this out, but we're not there yet. All right, so the Warriors still uh, the learning process with this group as far as how to finish games, and the Warriors lose tonight, one hundred to ninety-seven. So you hear from Steve Kerr there. It is Warriors wrap up on ninety-five-seven. The game, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, were brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search. Uh, thoughts there on on what the coach had to say. Uh, two things. First of all, he said that with 22 seconds to go, even though they didn't call timeout, he said they ran a play. He said Oklahoma City defended it well, so he said they ran a play. So it wasn't like they were just uh, running around without any idea of what's going on. Uh, the other thing, as far as Eric Paschal and the offensive fouls go, is I think this is a good rule of thumb to keep in mind as a fan. Uh, a former referee, a former NBA referee, told me this years ago, and it really helps. You know, it's the most difficult call in basketball, perhaps in sports, right, is a charge or block. And this former referee told me that one of the things that he used to keep in mind, kind of a rule of thumb for officials, shoulder to the chest, defense at its best. So if you see an offensive player go into a defender with his shoulder to the chest of the defender, that's typically an offensive foul. And that's what we're seeing a lot of right now from Eric Pascal. And, and Pascal, I think it was the third offensive foul. You, you had said that to me while we were watching the game. And then Pascal picked up what was called as his third offensive foul in the game. And we both immediately looked up at the replay 
and it was exactly what you said. It was shoulder to the chest, and and that would indicate. Gallinari said, "Yeah, he knows you know how to play defense down there." And, and uh, yeah, we're gonna hear from Eric Pascal coming up here uh, at some point on Warriors wrap up. And uh, Eric Pascal was asked about the uh, style of defense that was employed by Danilo hmm. Gallinari. Uh, I, don't want to speak for Eric Pascal. I think he probably chose his words carefully, uh, but I, I'm I'm guessing maybe that Eric Pascal was uh, leading down the line of perhaps Gallinari being a little bit of a flopper. As I said, he knows how to play defense down there. What did you think of the curious non-call Chris Paul, a 97-93 game, if my notes are correct, or 132 left, and Chris Paul tried to draw a foul as they went up for a shot. He tried to draw a foul, shooting a three. The ball came out of his hand. There was no foul called, and then he just picked up the ball and resumed his dribble with the official giving the indication that the ball was tipped. That was a curious play. It, it was. I, I didn't – I couldn't tell uh, I, at that point, uh, and that was a, that was the play that ended up with Stephen Adams getting fouled. On, yes, on a by loose Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah, on a loose yeah. ball foul. Yeah. And, and then – Adams winds up making one of two free throws to to cut it down to 97 94. Uh, I didn't I didn't I, I was fine with that live. I didn't see any gotcha. type of an issue there. I think Tony Brothers was the official and he was standing right there and the Warriors didn't seem upset, but the crowd was oh, furious. Well, and and that I mean the crowd was furious all night with anything pertaining to Chris Paul, right? I mean Chris yeah. Paul getting booed every time he touched the rock. Tonight. I'm wondering if he it, came... it was kind of it was kind of jarring to me. It, it it actually surprised me a little bit. I mean, I guess it probably shouldn't considering the playoff battles with Chris Paul during his time not only with the Clippers going back years ago, but the last two seasons with the Warriors taking out the Rockets in the, in the conference final in 2018 and then in the Western semis uh, over at Oracle in, in May. Yeah. Uh, and the battles that, that he's had with Stephen Curry. Uh, but it, you but know, the Warriors always got the better of them. The Warriors Whether did. Whether well, the Rockets or well, the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers did get the better of them in, in 2014. Well, way back. That's true. Uh, if you want to go back far, I mean, that they're actually, believe it or not, that Clippers team was the last Western Conference team to knock the Warriors I out remember of the playoffs. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, well, when that was the end of Mark it. Jackson's reign. And sure. that was the end of Mark Jackson, and yeah. Steve Kerr comes in, and then it's, oh, championship, 73-9, and nine, lost in the finals, championship, championship, and then lose last year, obviously, in the finals. And they, uh, the Warriors did get their revenge a little bit on, on Chris Paul in addition yeah. to James Harden during that, that dynastic run of uh, – the 2014-15 season through uh, the end of, of June here uh, in 2019 when ultimately the Warriors lost to the Raptors. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, Chris Paul uh, was surprised by that at all and if it um, inspired him to play as well as he did this evening. Uh, it just it caught me off guard. And I look, maybe that's just the current. Maybe I'm off, just off base on that. I just, I mean, he is nothing and, wrong and, with and it. And we've it's done this before. We've done yeah. this before here. Uh, on, it's been a Warriors this week topic. We do our yearly, you know, Warriors most most despised opponent list, right? And mm -hmm. and traditionally, you, know, you could go, you could do it positionally, or you know, we are in the era of positionless basketball, so sometimes we just roll through. You know, it could be, you know, two point guards and two shooting guards and maybe LeBron. Maybe LeBron's the center on your positionless version right. uh, of this thing. Maybe it's uh, it's Paul and Westbrook and Harden and like Kyrie Irving. And then LeBron's the center. You know, it could be positionless or it could go position by position where, uh, let's say, it's it's Chris Paul would be your your point guard and and James Harden would be your two guard and and LeBron would have to be your your small forward right maybe Blake Griffin your power forward and say Dwight Howard or maybe DeAndre Jordan as your as your center yeah well based on what we heard tonight CP3 he's got a spot waiting for him on that team he doesn't have to try out or anything no he's just he <laughs> yeah. is just the, 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 he may be the captain his his Here LeBron his jersey know. would go in the Raptors yeah. of the all yes. warrior opponent despised team yes. Uh, and and it was on full display. And again, you know, Chase Center. I, I, I got to say this: uh, every game where the Warriors have been competitive, this building is rocked. And and even even the nights where the games have gotten out of hand, there's been a good energy in the building. And and look, people were enjoying themselves tonight. I, th this place is going to be when this when this team gets the players back. That this place is going to be a, a a real tough place to play. How about Chris Paul at the end of the half making two threes, including? Uh, a buzzer beater just inside the half court. And I know you were wondering, how come no one got anywhere near him? 
and clearly someone should have at least put a hand up. I'm wondering if they want to stay clear of him because you know how he can throw out an elbow or hook you or you don't want to go anywhere near him and let him draw a cheap foul on you there. But it would have been would have behooved the Warriors to have somebody in the vicinity in the same zip code with a hand up. Yeah, it was just, it was just a matter of... It was of, a heck of a shot. Just run, I mean, run up on him a little bit just to make him maybe have to dribble around somebody to try and get the, the shot off. I mean, he really was able to, to dribble right into it. Yeah, uh, which you know, again, it's an incredibly difficult shot. Uh, but he, as far as someone, you know, it's a lot like Steph Curry. You know, t- teams we've seen Curry hit a number of those throughout throughout the years, and you just you, you kind of let him get a little bit of momentum toward it. Right, and, that was a big shot. I mean, it's a three can, point game, so obviously that was a very important shot. Yeah, so it, it winds up being part of the difference there as the Warriors lose this one, one hundred to ninety seven. Uh, John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason uh, and you on the phone lines at 888-957-9570. We got uh, calls to get to. We are going to hear from uh, Eric Paschal, among others, in the Warriors locker room uh, after the ball game tonight. We've also got your call of the game coming up uh, as well. Uh, and uh, Whitey's uh, pluses and, and minuses as well. You want to do some pluses and well, minuses? Last game here? we didn't do them, so I don't know. Maybe I'll have Maybe I won't. I don't know. I'll it's become a home game tradition. <laughs> it's become a home of game tradition. Road games, sometimes go. we get rolling on, on different things. Absolutely. Ready to go. Uh, what, what, what do you got tonight on the Whitey's pluses and minuses? Well, where do you want to start here? Which side do you want to start Let's on? Let's start on the pluses. All right. Glenn Robinson, GR3 with 25 points, career high. At, at plus 20. Wow. <laughs> Wow, that's one of your highest marks. Bowman with 24 career high. That's plus 20. I mean, those those two are, are really starting to make me wonder if they can't have some place on a good team. Uh, again, I don't know what that means specifically. If Is it a you know backup wing in the case of Glenn Robinson? Is it a third point guard in the case of Kai Bowman? Is Kai Bowman a guy that maybe could be a, a backup point guard or somebody that gets some rotation minutes on a good team? I don't know, but the one thing that – that he continues to show me is that he is he he is an NBA player at this point, and he's somebody the Warriors are going to have to figure out a means to attempt to keep on this roster when his 45 days of, yeah. of two-way time We're are about up. halfway I mean, there. One of the things tonight, Whitey, that, that stood out as far as Kai Bowman goes is, and I'm looking at 38 minutes, right? And the time that he wasn't on the floor tonight, the Warriors really struggled to function. And and you know Steve Kerr gave him a little bit of rest there early in the fourth quarter, and that was that was kind of when Oklahoma City you know got a little bit of momentum going. Now the Warriors were able to to get the lead back up to ten with three minutes to go, but but when he wasn't on the court, well, it's funny you say that because he was the only starter with a positive plus minus tonight. Yeah, and so it just uh, for this current version of the Warriors. He's extremely important. He's one of the better scorers, and and his, you know, I think his tenacity on defense is infectious. I think he kind of st- sets a tone for them. Yeah, with, with his, you don't expect that from an undrafted rookie. With but his yes, energy, it's there. but among this group, it's yeah. there. And on offense, I mean, the Warriors have so few players right now that can consistently score and make shots. How surprised were you him. when before the game I asked uh, Jim Barnett about my? Um, Kai Bowman, Derek Fisher comparison, which I know you have just, you've just. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah. I don't love that. Jim, uh, Jim Barnett says, I like Bowman better than Derek Fisher. That's crazy. <laughs> that that I thought was crazy. Okay. I mean, Derek Fisher had a hell of an NBA career. He did. He I did. Mean, and look, that's high praise for Kai Bowman. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a slight on Derek Fisher. Right-handed Derek Fisher. That's what they're calling him. But my goodness, I mean, if you're talking about Derek Fisher, uh, I mean, if you're talking about Derek Fisher, I'm looking at his career. I mean, he he had a very long and productive career. Uh, he came in the league in 1996. I mean, he's a part of a number of, of championship teams. And we're talking about a guy that averaged you know 13 points, 12 points, 12 points, 12 points. What was I mean, Derek Fisher's career scoring average only, per game? Only eight. Only yeah. 8.3. Kai Bowman, 8.2. Boom. All right. <laughs> Anyway, a couple more. I just more. think of Derek Fisher as a, you know, a, a, a solid defender, a guy that was going to take a big charge for you, and a guy that was going to just knock down wide-open threes. I, I think it's more the style of play that's different, and that's where I get a little bit hung up. A couple more pluses, right. and I don't think you're going to be as high on these as you are on the uh, career highs. The Warriors hit 9 of 23 pointers tonight, 45%, uh, percent, right, which is uh, that's pretty good for a club that has struggled to shoot threes. 
Yeah, 45%, 9 of 20 on yeah. the threes. I'm going to give that a minus 6. Minus 6. Yeah, and I'm going to give that a minus 6. And the reason I give that a minus 6 is because the Thunder knocked down two more threes than the Warriors did tonight. Yeah, but how many more did the Thunder shoot? Yeah, they, they, they took their – but you get, look, in today's NBA, anytime you're getting outscored from three – uh, it to me, it's a net negative. All right, as far as the minuses and some of these, but the Warriors are limiting. In fairness, the Warriors are limiting a skill that they don't necessarily have a ton of. Right yeah, that's now. not necessarily a bad thing for them right now to yeah. limit the number of threes. And they made some big ones. You know, it's been a while since they made as many uh, big ones. The fourth quarter collapse, of course, fourteen points in the fourth quarter, one of twelve in the last six minutes for the Warriors. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you to go there because obviously that was that was uh, terrible. Uh, another lack, lackluster night from Willie Cauley-Stein. And by the way, I apologize to Willie Cauley-Stein because before the game, I blamed him for uh, his defense for the 22 points that uh, Stephen Adams actually scored against the Lakers in the last game. And that wasn't fair. That wasn't fair to me at all. But a lackluster night from Willie Cauley-Stein. Uh, Alec Burks shot the ball very poorly tonight. He was, uh, let's see, Alec Burks tonight was 3 of 17, J.D., yeah, and, and look, he, it, it's been up and down for Burks since he's been inserted into the starting lineup. He really struggled the game against the Pelicans. He was, uh, you know, he, he helped them beat Memphis. It, it, it's, you know, been mixed results for him since he's become someone that is, you know, they're really dependent on him being able to to score the basketball. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. It's John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, Warriors wrap-up here at 95.7 The Game. Now, back to Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, we're brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. If you want to weigh in with your thoughts on this one, Thunder beat the Warriors tonight, 100 to 97 as the Warriors now fall to 3 and 15 on the season Oklahoma City improves to 6 and 10 How many Three times have they beaten the Warriors? Of yeah. the 6 Oklahoma huh. City Thunder wins are against the Warriors uh 2 and OKC back on November the 9th and October the 27th and then now tonight mm. the Thunder walk out of here with their first road victory of the season they blocked 14 shots tonight Wow yeah, that was one of my plus minuses that I didn't get to. That was, yeah, that's incredible. Some of those, some of those are, you know, good plays at the rim by Adams and Nerlens Noel. Uh, Jordan Poole, on the other hand, had an ill-fated drive to the hoop where he just got smothered. And some of those uh, ill-conceived, ill-advised drives, you might as well just hand the ball to the other team. You know, you go up and make a strong move and the ball gets blocked. Hey, tip of the cap. But when you're just careening with no idea what you're doing to the basket and you end up getting smothered, it's just uh, blood relative of a turnover is all that is. And the Warriors, uh, looking at the shot distribution tonight, Kai Bowman, 17, Alec Burks, 17. Rough night for Burks, as we talked about in the last segment, three for 17. Uh, Glenn Robinson, the third, was nine of 14. I mean, he, yeah. he continues to be able to, to score the basketball at a, at a higher clip and shoot the basketball a little shot bit better. Shot very well tonight. Than, than I thought him to be capable of and I think that you know look if he could do something close to that in a smaller sample size uh, you know playing fewer minutes more with his game in in a box basically you know playing on a, on a better team I mean he could wind up being a very valuable asset you know a lot of times the, the conversation when it comes to player development we talk about all right well Eric Paschal he's a he's a rookie second rounder and Jordan Poole uh, a, a guy that was a first-round pick, and, and Kai Bowman, an undrafted player that's on a two-way deal. But, but you, know, you could you could put Glenn Robinson the third in the next tier of that in terms of hey, this is an opportunity for him to reinvigorate his career with the Warriors, and he's still a young enough player. Uh, I believe 25 right now, going to be 26 in January. But he, he is the kind of player that, you know, still would have some prime left if, if he can show a little bit of a different or a more consistent skill set uh, with the Warriors this year and also make himself really appealing to, to the Warriors potentially moving forward. Player development, though, can go to guys that have been in the league four or five years getting one year with a, with a real good organization. And as Connor Latorno has, has written, if the Warriors want to keep Kai Bowman on the roster, they're going to have to figure out a way to make space. That is, they're going to have to either just um, release Marquise Chris, which they don't appear in any hurry to do, 
or you may have to trade somebody, and the most likely trade candidates would be Burks or Glenn Robinson III. Well, after nights like tonight, it's apparent the Warriors don't want to trade GR3. That's a guy that could be a nice piece for you off your bench next year. Long ways to go, but um, I think trading Alec Burks may make the most sense there as far as figuring out a way to keep Kai Bowman. My point, though, is that you don't want to trade GR3 right now. Yeah, and right now with eight players, you can't really trade anybody. And as we talked about on Warriors Live, you know, Golden State in a position where they're getting a little bit healthier, but it sounds like they're going to get healthier with big men first. You know, it, right. Draymond Green's going to be back here in a couple of games. Kevon Looney's going to be back here in a couple of games, whereas D'Angelo Russell and, and Jacob Evans and, and players like that are going to be returning a little bit farther down the line. So you're going to have to get to a point where if you're going to make some kind of a trade to free up a spot, you're going to have to have an, enough other guards playing and playing effectively to be able to make that kind of a move. Uh, otherwise, I, I mean, if you've watched the Warriors play these last couple of weeks, I mean, there would have been a couple more nights that looked more like or, or longer stretches of games that look more like the fourth quarter tonight if they don't have Alec Burks around. Yeah, and, you know, this is this is flabbergasting uh, to me. Both of these franchises are, are still dealing with the aftermath of having been abandoned by Kevin Durant, right? So the Warriors are looking at next year, and they're looking at maybe they'll end up with a, a, a real attractive first-round pick. Do you know how many first-round picks the Thunder have over the next seven years? I want uh, First-round picks over the next seven years? I want to say it's uh, 10 or 11, right? 15. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 15. First round if picks 15, coming up in the next seven years. So okay, all the way to twenty twenty six. Who knows if they'll keep them all, but that's what they have right now. Well, and and as the Thunder have shown, it, they can they can package picks, and they aren't afraid to, yeah. to package. You know, they aren't afraid to attempt to acquire stars. You know, they they did it with Paul George, uh, and they they went and got uh, Oladipo uh, as well. So they're not they're not afraid to try and improve their club any any possible way they can. Right. So they lost Durant, of course. They lost Paul George. Um, they lost uh, Russ, but they've got their plan going forward. Yeah, they, they've got a and, and they, they feel they've got, you know, all the draft picks that you mentioned and they feel Chris Paul is going to be a tradable asset at the deadline for someone. The problem is the teams that you would think would want them like the Bucks and the Lakers, they don't even need them right now. So it no. may be tough for the Thunder to get back for Chris Paul what yeah. they'd want because so, the teams that you'd want to trade them to right now, we don't really need them. We're doing fine, thanks. And, and Chris Paul still has some time on a contract as well moving forward that would have to be, you know, that, that team that's going to acquire him is going to have to want to take that on. Uh, but Danilo Gallinari is somebody that's on an expiring contract that's a very useful player. I mean, I could think of a, a couple oh, yeah. of teams. I mean, oh, yeah. the Rockets, I think, you know, obviously they probably aren't sending him there, but the Rockets could probably use him just thinking out loud of teams that could use him. Portland could use a, mm -hmm. a Danilo Gallinari. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you could make a case, you know, Minnesota could use a Danilo Gallinari. I mean, I think there's a lot of teams out there that could use uh, Gallinari. Utah could probably use a guy like Gallinari, watching them play with, within the last week. Uh, I, there's a asset there in terms of Paul and, and Gallinari right. to where you could take back more picks or young players. They, they like, obviously, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who I think is going to be a real nice player moving forward, and then all of those picks. By the way, one play that I think got overshadowed tonight by everything else that went on, it was a close game, an exciting game. Uh, the Warriors took the lead 33-27 in the first quarter on a Pascal dunk along the baseline where he actually went up and double clutched. Remember that? Very, yeah. That was an incredible and a, a little more athletic than I knew that he was capable of. That was a, a powerful dunk, but also went up, and then he had to double clutch around a defender. Jam it down. Very exciting play. Yeah, impressive. And 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 he continues to, to be impressive even on nights where he isn't the leading scorer. And, and I thought that was the, the case tonight, a little bit of a quieter night for him. I think you know the fouls were an issue, but this is another night where he – he plays 31 minutes and for a young, you know, a, a second round pick and a guy that you know I think most easily projects into the Warriors rotation next year because you know by the nature of his contract that he's going to be here, right? Mm -hmm. And you know you don't know Glenn Robinson the third, you don't know Alec Burks, but just he's a young player that's playing well and his skill set and contract fit into the future of this Warriors team when they have uh, a number of All Stars returning from injury uh, next season. So, you know, in some ways you almost look for nights where he 
plays well without needing a bunch of shots and having to score 30 points to make an impact. And I thought tonight, some of the foul issues with the three offensive fouls, which were five of or three of his five turnovers, a nice little 13-10 night. Is it true that he came into tonight's game leading all NBA rookies in points scored? Uh, fact. That's wow. a fact. But not points per game. Uh, that is... Right. So he, he scored the most points, but part of that is because the Warriors have played more games. And uh, Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah. Sticklers for accuracy, we are here. But he did come into the game as a leading scorer among all rookies. Yeah. 13 and 10 tonight. Another nice night. John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason, Warriors wrap-up brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search. Uh, still have time to get to some phone calls if you'd like at 888-957-9570. We will also hear from Kai Bowman and Glenn Robinson the third. We got your call of the game straight ahead as well. Uh, it's Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. Warriors wrap-up continues on 95.7 The Game. Dickinson, Whitey Gleason inside Chase Center. Thunder 100, Warriors 97 tonight uh, as Golden State now 3-15 and 15 on are you, the are season. Are you sure that's right? Because it was 97-87. to 87. It was 97-87, to 87, and at the 301 mark, the And Clippers, the Warriors were the 97. Or the Clippers. I say the Clippers. The Thunder knocked down a three uh, to make it. 97-90. It was oh Chris boy. Paul made it 97-90. Dennis Schroeder, 97-93. Then Stephen Adams mm. on a free throw, 97-94. There was a steal and a layup for Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Made it 97-96. Chris Paul put the Thunder up, 98-97. And then Alec Burks had a layup that just, I don't know how it rolled out, uh, but that would have given the Warriors the lead. Uh, but it rolled out. Uh, the Thunder then hit two free throws to go up by three, and the Warriors with 22 seconds left had a chance, but it wasn't. They, they were running a play. They were running Steve a play. Kersett, we ran a play, yeah. But it wound and, uh, up with Kai Bowman doing his best Monte Ellis. Ah, very nice. You know. Um, to, to turn the clock back to bad bad Warriors teams. I think where we are with Warrior fans now is to come out, you know, as you pointed out, very loud, boisterous, had a great time, but then. You know, even when you have a close game, the last two games have been close, they're they're gripping at the end of the game. And then once the game's over and the Warriors lose, they realize, yeah, they're probably better off losing. So that's fine. We'll see you next game. And it, so there's just not that visceral, oh, no, they lost. No, it's just because it, the, the horizon is still fairly bright. Not that you're not that Warrior fans aren't disappointed, but it's more just it's easy to get over. It's easy to get over because, you know, you got Curry and Clay Thompson yeah. and Draymond Green coming back. And yeah. now you can see. A light at the end of the tunnel that is going to be the 2019-20 season, and that is the fact that right now the Warriors would have a top five pick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if they wind up, I mean, again, they have the worst record in the league, so you start looking at the uh, reverse standings here, Whitey, and I was starting to map it out if the Warriors had won the ball game tonight, right? Uh, Warriors win, they would have been four and and uh, fourteen, which would have put them with, within a half game of the Knicks and the Hawks who were both four and thirteen with the loss. Now the Warriors dip to three and fifteen and they are two games clear in the loss column right now of anybody that has thirteen. No other team even has thirteen losses in the West, but the two teams that have thirteen losses in the NBA are Atlanta and the Knicks. So the Warriors have have the next closest by two losses. Now we know that the Warriors a couple years ago were seventy three and nine. We know that the fewest wins in an NBA season is nine. The seventy sixers were nine and seventy three. Uh what would that have been? Nineteen seventy two, seventy three, somewhere in there. Anyway, my question is nine and seventy three, that's uh, that's off the table. It right? is for me. Okay. I think this team's been far too competitive with eight and nine players to where I, I think when they get a few guys back, even even just the Draymonds and the Loonies and the D'Angelo Russells. Yeah, because it's been rough to this point. They still have three. You get you tell me that Jacob Evans and D'Angelo Russell and Kevon Looney and Draymond Green are all going to be playing for this team, let's say, within the next two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. and, and a couple of those guys maybe within the next few days. And I... The, the, 
they've been far too competitive at this point to where I think that's even close to being on the table. Yeah, I would agree. I was, I have to admit, uh, about two, three weeks in, I was thinking, huh, we may be looking at that, but it doesn't appear uh, to be realistic here. Uh, of course, that's the upside, though, of uh, every loss, right, is uh, if you're a Warrior fan, hey, it makes it more likely they're going to get a really good draft pick, so woohoo! Let's go ahead and get to our call of the game. It's time for the call of the game. Brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile. Bowman with the steal. Bowman to Robinson, to Burks, fires away, three ball, left corner, pocket. Golden State goes up by 12, 8 nothing. one. Chase Center is rocking. All right, that's your call of the game for tonight. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning to Joe Lowe and Dibs on 95.7 The Game, 9.30 a.m. If you can correctly identify the call we just played, you will win $50 to Schroeder's Restaurant at 240 Front Street in San Francisco. It's John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason. Warriors wrap-up. We're brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search. Let's go ahead and hear from uh, Kai Bowman tonight to score 24 points in 38 minutes on 9 of 17, shooting a career-high 24 for Kai Bowman, and he met with the media after the ball game. Kai, you, you guys obviously had a 10-point lead, three minutes to go. <clears throat> but you also have to deal with Chris Paul, who's been in 100 playoff games, been playing forever. What's it like knowing that you're trying to keep a lead and this dude's coming at you? Uh, I mean, just watching film, knowing that he's going to try to get that foul on that, that wing. Uh, so just really trying to show my hands, but uh, not trying to let up on the pressure. So it's, it's hard with a, with a guy like that, knowing the game and knowing how to get his fouls. Uh, he tried to get a a late one uh, with a three on A-B, but they ain't call it. But uh, I mean, it's hard to just try to contain them and do uh, what we do best with defensive personnel. Kai, do, does it feel harder to just execute the normal offense in those, like, final minutes when, when the pressure is higher as opposed to just, like, those first three quarters of the game? Uh, pressure? I mean, at the end of the day, it's still the same, same game. I mean... Pressure wasn't really what was killing us. Uh, just trying to really get into the flow of that we was in. Uh, we got out of the flow for a, a good two minutes. So just trying to get back into that flow, execute our plays was the biggest thing. We kind of took a step back on trying to execute as much as we did in the first half and uh, going into the third quarter. When you look back at this game, will you look at the defense, the offense, the decision-making? I mean, what do you think you guys really kind of fell apart there? Uh Good one. Um, I say just that's something that we're going to look back on just far as the last, last three minutes we had in our hands uh, with a 10-point lead, just knowing uh, as a guard, just knowing to just let the time tick out, uh, try to get uh, good plays, uh, good shots. Uh, some of our shots uh, came out too fast um, as far as like getting it before the shot. So just executing the t uh, time on the clock um, and just making them rush into theirs. Can you kind of walk us through that final offensive possession? You have 20, about 22 seconds, and we have the ball in your hand, and ends up on the floor, and you guys call a timeout, like two seconds. Can you kind of walk us through what happened? Uh, I was trying to get the switch with uh, Gallinari on the uh, wing, um, and shot kept on going under and uh, getting back to the ball. So that was a good defense uh, strategy for them. But I ended up getting the switch, so I was trying to – I thought he was going to jump on the step back, so I was trying to, like, go ahead and get the three. The, so it was going to be easy, uh, three free throws. So – I was trying to look for that, so then I picked up my dribble and A-B with my last option show, and then I was on the floor. So I knew we had a timeout, um, so just being a guard and knowing that we had one more timeout, just going ahead and take that. In those first three quarters, did you feel like the offense was really clicking more than maybe it has so far this season, especially with you know the younger guys out there? I mean, just when we execute our plays uh, from the preseason, we know that we'll get what we want um, from the get-go. So us knowing how to execute uh, – know how to play with each other more than we did to the pre uh, in the preseason to now um, really knowing how each guy played from the starters to uh, who are the last one to touch the court. So that's big for us just to know where to get people in their spots and then uh, the paint touches. So the paint touch is the biggest thing, uh, knowing that everybody's going to have to collapse on the paint. So trying to get open threes. Obviously, all eight of you are appreciating the opportunity right now, but is there that part of you that kind of can't wait to get healthy and to get, you know, Draymond and Kavon and those guys back. Uh, that, like Sunday we pray on uh 
uh, each chapel just for the the health of the players um, that's injured right now, even the others around um, different teams. Um, that's one thing. Uh, but also just taking advantage of the opportunity that we got right now and just knowing that since God has said whatever happens, happens, but also uh, taking the roles that we have to take right now to uh, step up as far as being leaders and then uh, translating that to our game right now. Coach, Steve said this was basically kind of a learning ex experience for you guys. Um, how do you see it when you go against, you know, veteran guys like this? I mean, when you, and you come up on the short end, how do you see it? Uh, it hurts uh, losing. So, I mean, that's the hardest thing, really, going back to that locker room after being up by 10. It's just tough. Um, really having to sleep on that loss is going to be a hard thing. But knowing, to know that we had it in our hands against uh, veteran guys and stuff, so just learning from the experience and knowing that we're we're young and we're getting better each day uh, and we're uh, becoming more of a team as we uh, go on. And the biggest thing is just try to pull out these uh, close wins. All right, so Kai Bowman there explaining what he was trying to get, among other things, on that, that final possession with the Warriors up three. He, he They were trying to get Gallinari on him in an attempt to get a shot, but, but Gallinari well defended. Yeah, because, again, Gallinari knew that uh, he only had to worry about the three-point shot. He didn't have to worry about Bowman getting around him because he'd give him, give him the two, obviously. By the way, I think we'd have to say Jordan Poole's on the upswing. Three games now, if I'm not mistaken, three games in a row, scoring in double figures. And tonight he was 3 of 13, but he made two of five threes. And since that Spurs game, he'd been shooting, I think, 17% beyond the arc. And you said you saw him calling for the ball. It was baby steps. He, he hit the two threes, and then the Warriors were bringing the ball up, and he was he was filling the, the lane on the left the left side of the floor. And he kind of put his arm up okay. like he wanted, and they ended up running a play for him to where he got the ball. And it was you know, the crowd was buzzing a little bit, and it, it was an actual heat check moment yeah. for Jordan Poole after knocking down the two three-pointers there. Sounds and like he, maybe the confidence is coming back around if he's calling for the ball. And he did have also had six rebounds, four assists, but with him it's all about the shooting. Yeah. Made a couple threes tonight. And he continues to do, I think, some of the other things better than you think. I agree. A, a rookie would. But the shooting is the one thing that you really are thinking, boy, he's got to bring that to the table, and that's the skill that's going to you know, make it for him in this league. And, and, and it still hasn't quite been there, but maybe it is uh, a little bit of a, a small baby step yeah, uh, I think so. for, for Jordan Poole moving forward. Before we get out of here, I want to hear from uh, Glenn Robinson the third. We heard from Kai Bowman, career night for him in terms of scoring. Uh, Glenn Robinson the third led all scorers in this ball game with 25 points, and, and he met – with the media downstairs as well. Hey, Glenn, the message this season is that you guys are young and you're learning, but you hope with what you're learning and putting together that results in a W. What's the frustration of, of losing this one tonight? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, you know, being a young team, I, I think that's not an excuse for uh, kind of the last four minutes of basketball that we played. Um, you know, we got to find some way to pull off that W, especially with the record, the way things are going this season for us, um, you know, kind of up 10, uh, down the stretch, you know, we got to find some way to, to bring that home. Steve, Steve credits your, um, you, know, you coming on as of late, just more opportunities, you know, with everyone out and you, you know, have time to play through your mistakes. How do you feel? Uh, what do you think is the reason behind your recent play over the last couple of games? Um, just keeping it simple. I mean, uh, it's the most shots I've been able to take in my career. Um, you know, I think the way that we moved the ball, the, the positions that uh, Steve's put me in, and um, just being patient. You know, I know I can shoot the ball. I know I can defend, um, run the floor. You know, uh, when we move the ball, you know, it just makes it easy for me. And I like playing that style of basketball, and uh, Steve encourages it. So I think just being around a positive coach. Um, you know, my my five years in the league before this, you know, I didn't, I haven't had a coach like Steve who. Um, just really pours into me and, and just empowers me. You know, I think that uh, um, he really looks looks at his guys, you know, and, and, and kind of defers to us in, in certain situations. So he just gives me a lot of confidence. Glenn, as you're seeing this game slip away a little bit down the stretch, what do you think uh, you guys paid the biggest price? Offense, defense, decision-making? I mean, where are the things you guys you think you really need to fix? Um, you know, I think down the stretch, just uh, decision-making, you know, um, what, what got us there, we need to stick with that, you know, uh, you know, um, driving, kick, getting to the lane, and, and, and kicking out, playing unselfish. Uh, that's what got us the lead. That's what um, got the got the crowd going, got us going. Um, you know, we got to stick to that down the down the end of the stretch. You know, I think that um, just just continue to share the ball and play the way that got us there.
Some pretty strong comments there from Glenn Robinson III about Steve Kerr when you start to think about the context of him being maybe a part of this organization beyond this season, saying that he's you know, really enjoyed the, the style of play. Uh, he's really enjoyed having a, a coach that's encouraged him to, to be a part of the offense. And, and, you know, there are coaches that look for what players can't do and coaches that look at what players can do. And I think Steve Kerr's the kind of player that looks at what uh, players can do and, and challenge them to, to flourish and I think, you know, look, it, it, a lot of games to go this season, Whitey, but uh, Glenn Robinson third, and, and, and to a lesser extent Alec Burks, uh, just because we haven't heard an answer necessarily like that from him. I mean, but this sounds like a guy that things continue to go well. He's going to be open to maybe having a role here moving yeah, forward. he's on the right track. Also had five assists tonight. And by the way, Marquise Chris had seven assists tonight for the Warriors. Boy, I, I'm interested, and I kind of think the Warriors have to be interested, too, and in, in wanting to see him play with some of the injured pieces. Uh, Marquise Chris? Yeah. Yeah, they want to see him play more with Steph, yeah. Yeah, and I think it was yeah. Connor Letourneau that, that wrote about that as, yeah. as well. Sure. Uh, in, in his piece uh, regarding, you know, what do you do with Kai Bowman, and, and if Chris is the guy that you take away to – Braden Burks, I agree with moment. Connor Letourneau, and I know you're a Burks guy, and you were right. He's, he's, he's played well. He didn't play well tonight. Trading him may make the most sense here. You got I mean, you got I, I, to gotta get other guys back before you can consider yes, it. Yes, and, and a lot of times things take care of themselves. Yeah, but so it's just the Kai Bowman clock is ticking. The Kai Bowman clock is ticking, but you still got, still got some time. Still, still got 20 or so days. Yeah. All right. To, to figure it out. All a right. little bit of time. That's going to do it for us. Uh, for Tim Jordan, we thank him for setting us up out Thanks, here. Tim. Uh, Lucas Alexander and Alex Scott back in our San Francisco studios. For Whitey Gleason, I'm John Dickinson. We'll be back at 6 p.m. here at Chase Center on Wednesday as the Warriors will look to uh, pick up a win with the Chicago Bulls in town the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, thanks to one and all. Uh, that's going to do it for us as the Thunder beat the Warriors tonight, 197. And you heard it right here on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.